seems like such a simple message. Shut up and love. I mean, it's really a simple sentence. It's really easy to say, shut up and love. But man, I got to be honest with you, it is hard to live out that sentence. The first part's especially hard, especially for a crowd like this. You guys do a lot of great things. Shutting up is not one of them. And then on top of that, I've got to shut up and love people. Man, there's sometimes people are just unlovable. And we're in the third week of a series called Shut Up and Love. In the first week of the series, I talked about how we're to love people no matter their color, no matter their sexual preference, no matter their belief system. We're just called to love. And then last week, I talked about how do we love people that we just don't really like. Did you know you can dislike somebody and still love that person? Did you know you can have somebody in your life that you set up boundaries and they're no longer welcome in your life, but you're still called to love that person? If you missed any of those messages, you can go to actionchurch.tv. You can go to the app store on your phone, download the Action Church app, the podcast, and you can listen to that for free. But today, I want to talk to us as individuals. Because what I have found so many times is we kind of sometimes grasp the concept of loving others, but really deep down inside, we don't understand how God could love us. The Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Hands down, not even close, the most famous scripture in all the Bible. I don't care if you grew up in church, you've never been to church, you've never even heard of church, the chances are really good. You've been watching a football game and seen somebody holding up a sign that said John 3.16. I know that some of you thought it was Austin 3.16, but it originated as John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that's love, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Here's the reality today. God loves us. God is love. Regardless of anything you've done, God loves us. God loves us. It's an unconditional love. Contrary to what the church has preached for years, it's a no-strings-attached love. You don't have to look a certain way for God's love. You don't have to act a certain way for God's love. You don't have to believe a certain way for God's love. You don't got to smell a certain way for God's love, which is good news for some people here today. The bottom line is God loves us right where we are. Hurts, God loves us. Habits, God loves us. Hangups, God loves us. And to fully understand that principle, because it's one of those principles that we hoop and holler about and we amen about and we get excited about, but deep down inside, I'm not sure it's one of those principles that we believe. And I think the problem is we kind of have a little misconception about God sometimes. See, here's what we need to understand about God. Love is not what God does. 
but love is who God is. That's a profound statement. It's a very important statement. You need to understand something. Love is not an action of God. God is love. It's who he is. At his very essence, at his very core, God is love. Contrary to what the world will say, God is not hate. Contrary to this group that goes and pickets soldiers' funerals and gay funerals and all this stuff, there is no hate in God. God is love. In his very essence, he's love. He loved us so much that he sent his only son for us. That's love. The Bible says this in 1 John 4, 8. Whoever does not love does not know God. That's a profound statement. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And everything that he is, God is love. Love is not what God does, but it's who God is. It's the very nature of God. He's love. We think there has to be stipulations to God's love, don't miss this, because there's stipulations to our love. But we operate the natural and God operates in the supernatural. And and that poses sometimes a problem in our head when we understand this concept. (laughs) Because we have this thing that if God is love, Why do I not always feel God's love? Because if we were to be honest today, there's different times in our life that in our head, we don't feel that God loves us. We don't feel that God is there for us. We don't feel that God, if a loving God loved us, why would he allow us to go through what we've gone through? It's funny, when everything's good, he's God. When everything goes bad, all of a sudden he's a bad God. We have this image of God, that, that, and the problem is we have these preachers nowadays and these churches nowadays that have got up and they preach this, this, this message of, hey, man, the minute you enter into a relationship with God, everything becomes bubbles and unicorn farts and daisies and sunflowers and everything's cotton candy and everything's great, but you see that nowhere in the Bible. Matter of fact, you see the opposite. The Bible says in this world you will have trouble. We're never promised a perfect life. And if he's only God in the good times, and he's not God in the bad times, he's not much of a God. If they're only your spouse in the good times, but they're ready to bail in the bad times, they're not much of a spouse. If you're only a parent in the good times, But the minute they screw up, man, you're not a parent anymore. Hey, you're not much of a parent. So he wouldn't be much of a God if he's only God when it's good. He's God when we don't understand his ways. He's God when we don't understand his decisions. He's God when we don't understand how could a loving God allow this to happen. And what we need to understand today is God doesn't always allow, first of all, God allows everything to happen. But God's given us this amazing thing called free will. He's not a puppet master. He's not up there pulling the strings and dictating. Sometimes bad things happen just because they happen. 
We live in a flawed world. We live in an imperfect world. Sometimes bad things happen because of what someone else did. Sometimes bad things happen because of things we did. Sometimes bad things just happen because the consequences for actions and down the chain of reaction led to that happening. Sometimes bad things just happen because God allows them to happen because God sees the bigger picture and we don't. God is love. Over and over and over throughout this series, I've had people come to me and tell me, man, they've understood and they've enjoyed the messages. They understand that God loves them and that they're to love other people. They understand, they understand, they understand. But then they've always asked me, but how come there's moments I don't feel God's love? I've given my life to preaching the message of Jesus Christ. I feel like I've, I don't, there's probably someone here, but there's probably very few people here that have, that have put more hours of study into the Bible than I have. I've, I've done it for the last 20 years of my life. And yet there's times that I feel like God is so far away from me, that God has abandoned me, that God is nowhere near me, and I hear I think to myself, I thought God was love, but where is he at? Those are common times we go through. Those are common questions that we will go through. There's not a person here today that, if they were to be honest, would say that at one time or another they haven't felt that God had abandoned them, that God had left them, that they don't understand why the mess they're going through. And if God truly loved them, why would he allow them to go through this mess? I'm not a very bright person, and I don't play a very bright person on television. But I've learned this. I'm going to tell you how this works, Chris. First time here, you don't get to talk, all right? Just like I slap you around at wrestling, I'll slap you around here. Always got somebody out there running that jaw. He knows what's up. Here's what I've learned. <laughs> when we feel so many times that God doesn't love us, <laughs> God's not the problem. I am. When I go through those periods in my life and I'm like, man, where is God? I thought God loved me no matter what. And if I was to really be honest and I would sit back and to evaluate, God's not the problem. I'm the problem. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. It's hard to flip the pages and hold a mic. I always feel like a black preacher when I got this mic. But they always got a pulpit up here. I need an old school pulpit if I got to use this stupid mic. You know, y'all are too white. Y'all don't even get it. See, I'm going to tell y'all something. Y'all, my full name, y'all don't even know my middle name. My, middle, my full name is Gary Lamar Lamb Jr. That's as black as it gets. Like when I preach at a black church, that's how they introduce me. So I'm going to leave this church and go preach at a black church, and I'm going to start wearing a nice suit and tie and use the handheld. That's what God's prepping me for. And Bubba's coming with me. I think there's a lot of reasons we go through periods of feeling God's maybe neglecting us with his love. And I want to give you a few of those today because I want you to evaluate. Because here's the weird thing. 
I say it's a weird thing. It's really a God thing. I've had more messages this week and more phone calls this week and more people reach out to me this week who are just simply going through the fire like never before. And over and over, I almost felt like I really wasn't doing my job as their pastor. I just kept saying, man, I get it. Y'all come to church Sunday. I'm going to cover that. It's the holiday season, man, and it just seems like, man, the world comes. It seems like all the stresses of life get escalated during the holidays. And there's a group of people here today, and you simply know that God is real. You know deep down inside God loves you. But right now, for whatever reason, you're just not feeling that love. You just don't know where the disconnect is. You're frustrated. Maybe, and guess what? This is okay. Maybe you're even angry with God right now. Guess what? He's a big God with big, broad shoulders. And that's okay. It's okay to be angry with God. But I'm telling you today, and I'm not trying to minimize the issue. The issue's not God. The issue is you. God's where he's always been. We're the ones who drift away. We're the ones who lose faith. We're the ones that get frustrated. We're the ones that put our stipulations on God. If he does this, this, and this, this, I'll follow him. I've got a buddy. Matter of fact, I had a buddy of mine that was here a couple of weeks ago. I introduced you. They're going to the mission field. And his father-in-law, I pastored him for years when I was in Iowa. And that was always his deal. He literally, this was his deal. Preacher, I'll be at church this Sunday. I made a deal with God. I told him he loved girls basketball. I coached girls basketball. Told God, if we won that tournament, I'd be at church. I always had stipulations on God. I wouldn't see him for two or three weeks, and I'd run to him and start saying, on a losing streak? Yep. I made a deal with God, I'm going to stick to my deal. we win again, I'll be back in church. We have our stipulations that we put on God. I went out with them. Or they came over to the house, actually, while they were in town. And I said, how's Nick? He said, still making deals with God. I said, man, 20 years later, he's still making deals with God. God's not the problem, we are. Maybe we're simply not seeking God like we should. Maybe we're the problem because we're not seeking out God like we should. Sounds simple, but it's so true. The Bible says this in Matthew 6, But seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Very few of us, if we were to be honest, live our life seeking the will of God first. We seek the welfare of our career first. We seek our finances first. We seek our happiness first. But very few of us ever seek the will of God first. I can't tell you how many times people have come to me and they're like, we're moving away, we've got an opportunity, we've got this, this, and this, and this. Oh, BTW. Man, you know what a good church in that area? Oh. You know a good group of people that we can get around in that area? Here's what you're saying. We've sold everything first 
but God. We've put God last. And do I think you got to go to church to be a Christian? Absolutely, 100% not. If I was not the pastor of this church, I would not attend church. I'm just being honest with you, I wouldn't. I talk to my wife about it all the time. She knows where I stand on that. I'm ever not the pastor here, man, I'm done with church. I'll have four or five people come over every Sunday. We'll hang out at the house. We'll share a meal, and we'll do life together and talk about Jesus. I dig this church because I just kind of think it looks like the New Testament church. It's sloppy and messy. It's out of the misfit toys. You know, I dig it. I dig that there's no, uh, like, structure to it and programs. I dig that I can come to a spaghetti dinner on Saturday night that I forgot about and I had nothing to do with and just know that it's going to run great and going to be phenomenal and I don't have to deal with it. I like this place. I don't like other places. You say you're saying other places are wrong? Nope. I'm just saying I don't like them. Seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. So what things will be given to us? I don't know. Maybe peace will be given to you. Maybe it's purpose that will be given to you. Maybe it's health that will be given to you. Maybe it's understanding. Maybe it's wisdom. Here's what I know. I take that verse to mean that when we seek the will of God first, whatever we need will be given to us at the time that we need it. We don't understand God's timing, but when we seek God, he comes into a place when God's first, everything just seems to fall into place. That doesn't mean everything goes perfect, but when it's not going perfect, I know I can get through it. It's sad that it takes a crisis to get us back into church or get us back into a relationship with God. And it, whatever it takes to get us back is awesome, but what would have happened if we had never walked away from that to begin with? See, we have to seek his kingdom. And all these things will be added unto us. Maybe we're not feeling God's love because we're not seeking the things of God first. It'd kind of be like this. It'd kind of be like me going to marry a girl. I'm single, by the way. I'm not single. Hypothetically speaking, I'm single. And I meet a girl. Hopefully it would be a woman because I'm old, not a girl. And I come to you and say, I'm marrying this girl. And some of you say, yeah, it sounds like something you would say. But here's the deal. I've never been on a date with this girl. I've never talked to this girl. I don't really know anything about this girl. I'm not even going to take the time to get to know this girl. I'm just going to marry this girl. And you'd be like, you're an idiot. But that's what we do with God. We don't seek God. We don't try to build a relationship with God. We don't try to get to know God. And we wonder why we don't feel the love of God in our life. We don't take time to get into the word anymore. We don't take time to pray anymore. We don't take time to learn about him. We don't take time to be around other people who build us up and point us to the things of God. So we would look at someone who says, man, you're marrying this girl and you don't know her, you've never talked to her, you don't know anything about her, you just met her online and all of a sudden you're going to go meet her and you're going to marry her and that's stupid. But that's what we do with God and we wonder why there's a disconnect in our relationship. Why don't we, why don't we feel God's love? Because we're not seeking 
God. We're not putting God first. How does your marriage go when you're not seeking after your spouse? How does your relationship with your children go when you're not seeking after a relationship with your children? How does your career go when you're not seeking after how to advance your career? How do your friendships go when you're not seeking after a relationship with your friends? I've got a good friend. I won't mention any names, but his name's Bubba. And Bubba takes off the other day to have a procedure. I'm not going to talk about the procedure because he will literally kill me. But Bubba felt like our friendship had come to a place where he was going to come hang out with me that night and tell me all about the procedure. I didn't want to know about the procedure. I still don't want to know about the procedure. But he went into great detail about the procedure, even though I didn't want to know about the procedure. It's etched into my mind in horrible ways that have scarred me, and I can't sleep at night because of the procedure. But guess what he did? He was seeking to take our relationship deeper. And sadly, it's deeper now. Like, I feel like after what Bubba told me, I could tell him anything. Sometimes you got to seek after relationships. The reality is, and I know this hurts your feelings, for so many of us, God is last. And we wonder why we don't feel loved by them, by him. If you, taught, if you treated any other relationship in your life the way you treat your relationship with God, and make no mistake about it today, it's a relationship with God. It's not a religion. Forget religion. Screw religion. Throw religion away. Kick religion to the curb. Religion is a lie. It's about a relationship with a loving father. I love they were doing that song today. A good, good father. And that's a hard concept for some of us because some of us didn't have good fathers. And so we hear that and it kind of freaks us out. But he's a good father. A loving father. And he loves us. And let me make this clear. He loves us no matter how bad we mess up. And I'm actually convinced of this. And I, I, oh, I'm going to probably freak some of you out. I've been on this journey lately. Yeah. I don't even know how to articulate what I'm about to say, so I probably should wait. But I am convinced what so many things that we classify as a mess up are not even mess up in God's eyes. The world standards, now there's some things that are messed up, don't get me wrong. But there's so many things and rules and regulations that we set into place, and I, I just can't help but think that God's like, I, I just don't care about that. You're making a big deal about that, and I could care less. The church knew they couldn't control people, and so they begin to make rules to scare people. That's what it boiled down to. The church couldn't control people 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Probably started in Europe and got brought over here when the country was founded. So they began to scare people. You can't scare people into morality. You've got to let them walk their walk. 
And I'm convinced that so many things that we worry about, God doesn't care. Someone called me this week, and they were going through a hard time. And they said, hey, we want to come to the church. And they said, if we come to the church, is X, Y, and Z going to be an issue? And I appreciated them calling. But I, I kid you not, had I been able to humanly go through the phone and slap them across their face for even asking that question, it's never an issue. I don't care about the hurt because God doesn't care. God cares about your hurt, but I'm saying the baggage you're carrying around. The habit, the hang-up, I think God cares about that baby crying in the lobby. He doesn't, but I do. Is that Carrie? If it's Carrie, I'm not going to say anything because Faye slapped me. Here's the deal. God doesn't care. We care. The church cares. But God doesn't. There's nothing you could do to make God not love you. There's nothing my children could do. Nothing. Nothing. That would make me not love them. This is just how my mind works. Sometimes this is probably a weird illustration, but Christine and I were watching the Ted Bundy documentary. I think she was figuring out ways to kill me. And you know what stuck out to me about that five or six part documentary? Was every time they interviewed Ted Bundy's mom. She knew he was a killer. She didn't one time justify his actions. She didn't one time justify his sickness. She didn't one time say what he did was acceptable. But she said something I remember laying in bed and it punching me in the face. She said, but he's still my son. And I love him. She even said this. She goes, he deserves to die. But it's going to crush me. There's nothing we can do to separate us from the love of God. So maybe we're just not seeking God like we should. The problem could be why we don't feel like God loves us is we simply don't love like Jesus loves. We're not loving the way Jesus loves, so we can't comprehend the way he loves. 1 John 4, 9 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we met live through him. That's love. That's a pretty high standard of love. Here's my one and only son. He's going to live a perfect life, and he's going to pay the penalty for the price for our sin. That's love. I love all of you. I think that 93.2% of you I'd take a bullet for. But I don't know if there's any of you I'd give my kids for. I'm just being honest. I just don't think I could do it. I know I couldn't do it. Yet that was God's standard of love. God set a standard of love, and we don't love the same way, so it's hard for us to comprehend something we're not living out. There's a statement I heard several months ago, and I think it's very, very much applies here. So if you're taking notes, you can write it down. It's not going to be on the screen. But I saw this statement that said, if you're going to live like Jesus lived, you're going to have to love like Jesus loved. 
Jesus loved unconditionally. Jesus loved no strings attached. Now, again, we need to go back and listen to last week's message. Love doesn't always mean we have to approve, and love doesn't always mean we have to like, and love doesn't always mean we have to allow those people into our life, but we're to love. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is disconnect from them. If we're going to live like Jesus lived, we're going to have to love like Jesus loved. But again, like I said so many times, the problem is we love naturally. God loves supernaturally. We're disconnected from God, so we're not walking in the supernatural. We're walking in the natural, and the natural says, man, I'm going to destroy them. I hate them. Some things just frustrate us. I'll tell you some things that frustrate me and make me not want to love like Jesus loves. Christine asked me the other day. She calls me. She said, can you stop by the store? It was last Sunday. I didn't know that everybody goes shopping on Sunday at Walmart. <laughs> but they do. She said, can you pick up two things? I said, sure. By the time I got into Walmart, the list was 20 things. People are crazy at Walmart on Sunday. And I had this amazing ability to get into a checkout line and the checkout line immediately stopped working. It's my gifting. Now, I want to be very clear because I don't want to insult anybody in this group today. And I, if you know my heart, I hope I'm not insulting you. But there's different assistance that people get in doing food. And apparently, it has to line up 100%. I don't really know how that works. But it's got to be like the, the exact ounce and the exact brand and the exact this. And so I got in this line, and apparently nothing was lining up. And I'm 30 minutes into the line. 30 minutes into the line. I'm second in line. And he looks at me and says, you might want to get into another line. Cool. Cool. Try not to lose it. I'm the pastor. I'm going to like five people who know me. Got to be a fake. Praise the Lord, it's Sunday. I love waiting in line. I get in the next line. I get in the line. The dude looks at me and turns his light off. I'm ready to snap. I get in the next line. This line's rolling. It's time for this person to pay. And this lady pays with a check. Who pays with checks? Like she can't find anything in her purse. She's digging through the suitcase trying to find her checkbook. It takes her like five minutes to find her checkbook. She's got Cheetos and gum and tampon. Everything's spread all out. Man, she's looking for that checkbook. She finds the checkbook. I'm like, yes! And lo and behold, she ain't got a pen. I'm losing. I'm kid you not. I have now been. I'm timing it. 57 minutes I've been in a line at Walmart. My love level was not where it should be at this moment. I wasn't loving the way God thinks that I should love. I was frustrated. I'm keeping my cool with everyone around me, but I'm sending her text. Can't believe this freaking place. I'm so irritated. Blah, 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 blah. 
I'm just not in a loving mood. And I get to the register finally. And I'm not mean to the lady, but I'm not talking to the lady. I'm just throwing my stuff up there. Bam, bam, bam. And as you can tell, I don't eat a lot of fruit, but Christine does. She wanted blueberries. The lady picks up the blueberries. She drops the blueberries. They go everywhere. Would you like to run over and get some more blueberries? How about you run? Yes. Yes, ma'am. I'm going to run over and get some more blueberries. I kid you not, this is how long I've been in the store. Apparently, not only does everyone shop on Sunday, they move around the fruit and vegetable department on Sunday. The blueberries had been moved the entire case from the time I got there to the time it was time to go get more blueberries. So I'm mad. I look at the guy and say, are there no blueberries here anymore? Well, yes, sir, I'm putting them right, right here, sir. I'm putting them over here. We're moving them around. They're on special this week. Wait, sir, I can put a sticker on it and you'll get the deal. I, I don't want the freaking sticker. I got to get back in line because I've been in line for 57 minutes. This guy's looking at me. And I breathe. I'm like, wait a minute. He might know me. I get back in line. I said, here you go. Got some blueberries. Sir, these are blackberries. Are they? I'll be right back. Run back over and I get blueberries and I come back. And I'm literally, I kid you not. I'm fixing to snap on this lady. And then she looks at me and she says, aren't you that pastor that runs that wrestling promotion? I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, man, thank you for your patience. I don't know that anyone else would have done that. And I'm like, I'm so angry. I'm shaking. I get in the car. I just scream, you know. It's cold, it was raining. But man, sometimes we just don't love like God loves. And had I snapped in there, I don't think I'd have been feeling the love of God too much. Once I breathe and I calm down, we tell church I'm breathing. She breathes. I, I was breathing. Turn on some real depressing music because that's what I listen to anyway, and it calmed me down. Time I got home, I was good to go. No one at the house even knew anything bad happened. And that's when I was feeling good. I think for once I loved like God would have loved. And it was amazing I was feeling that love back. But when we're not loving like God loves, there's no way that we feel the love of God. I just don't feel the love of God. Maybe you're not doing the things you should have been doing. Maybe you're not loving like God loves. Or, or maybe this, man, we just don't feel worthy of his love. Nobody beats us up worse than ourselves. Man. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What happens is so many times we think because of all our screw-ups, there's no way God could love us. He loved us and paid the price for our sin while we were in our sin. 
You keep beating yourself up. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You keep beating yourself up over something God doesn't even remember. He said, as far as the east is from the west, I'll remember your sins no more. Why are you beating yourself up? I'll forgive, but I'll never forget. Okay. I get it. But you keep replaying it over and over and over. And just be thankful God doesn't do that. Man, guilt will destroy you. We didn't have to become worthy for God to love us. Because if we had to become worthy, we'd all fail. I know we live in a day and time where people are like, you got to be positive and think good, and you're a king, and you're a queen, and man, look yourself, you're somebody. You are all those things. I believe it, man. I am a positive affirmation person. But the reality is we got to positively affirm ourselves because at the end of the day, we're screw-ups. We're mess-ups. Man, we've all screwed up. We've all messed up. We've all hurt people. We've all been hurt. We've all lied. We've all cheated. We've all stilled in our own way. Man, there's a long list of people that Gary Lamb has hurt. And yet God still loves us. I didn't have to live up to his standard for his love. There's nothing my kids have to do to make me love them other than be my kids. I got an 18-year-old daughter right now that I'd like to choke the life out of. Literally, if she's listening to this podcast, I, I don't like her very much. But man, I love her. I'd drop everything in a second if she needed anything. I'd go to hell and back in a second. I'd step in front of a moving car. I'd take the bullet, no questions asked. Because she's my daughter. We don't feel that we're worthy of that type of love. And God says, man, that's the type of love I have for you. God loves us. God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, he died for us. But we don't feel worthy of God's love. It's played beautifully in the book of Genesis. It's played out Genesis chapter, right about chapter 3. Story of Adam and Eve. It's a creation account. God created everything and everything was good until he created man. He created man and said, man, I can do better than that. Let's create a woman. Pretty impressed with that man, but it's not good. Let's give him some boobs, a nice butt. I can do better. And then he said, hey, do anything you want in this garden, but don't eat of that tree. Don't eat from that tree. Anything else you can do and you're good. What do they do? <laughs> they eat from the tree. They take a bite of the apple. Sinner, sin enters in. Their eyes are opened up and they see like they've never seen before. Bible says in Genesis 3, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord. 
God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from that tree that I command you not to eat of? He comes along and he says, hey, where are you? Ain't that amazing? God gave him one rule. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. God gave him one rule. They screwed it up. And yet God came looking for him. Why did God come looking for him? To restore a relationship with him. Adam, where are you? Did you eat from that tree? I'm still here for you. And God comes along and he's like, John, where are you? Rhonda, where are you? Tim, where are you? Stacy, where are you? Whoever name I can think of, where are you? And you're hiding. God, I'm embarrassed. I'm sorry. And God's like, you think hiding? I still know what you did. It's okay. I'm here to restore with you. I'm here to have a relationship with you. Why are you hiding? I felt naked and ashamed of God's life. You messed up. It's okay. Who told you that you messed up? The serpent. The world tells us we messed up. And God's like, it's okay. I still love you. You feel unworthy. Your get makes you feel unworthy. The, the, the screw-ups in your life, the, the, the stuff you put on you, convinces you that I don't love you. But I do. Because the Bible says this in Ephesians 2 and we're done. We're God's handiwork, creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Here's what you need to understand. God created you. God loves you. You did not surprise God. Your mess-ups do not surprise God. When we do things we shouldn't do, it doesn't surprise God. And so many times we miss this, so miss this, and I'm, and, I'm gonna, and I'm done. We miss out on the fact that our biggest mess-ups are what shape us for our best ministry. There's things that I'll be able to do and people I'll be able to help that you'll never be able to help because of my screw-ups. And there's people you'll be able to reach and impact that I'll never be able to reach and impact because of your life experiences. I don't even want to call them screw-ups because of your life experiences. Because of what you've been down, the road you've been down. You know how many times people come to me in this church and they're like, hey, can I talk to you about bam, bam, bam? And I'm like, yeah, you can talk to me about bam, bam, bam. But you know who you'd be better to talk to? So-and-so, because they've been through bam, 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 and I haven't. I'd be glad to talk to you, but they, they've been there. They've done that. They've got the scars to prove it. They've been through that mess, and now they can use it to minister to you. See, we don't see it in the midst of the mess. The Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Ten years from now, you might see the good in it. Three years from now, you might see the good in it. I don't know why you went through it, but I know God loved you through it, and he has a plan through it. Here's what you need to realize today. God loves you in spite of you. Lord, we love you.